0: So before we get started here, real quick, a couple of things. Um, If any of you here are on Medicare, if you're age 60 or older on Medicare, thinking about Medicare, use Medicare, not you Shantae, use Medicare, raise your hand. Awesome. There is an incredible lady in our our body of Christ that um, plays with Medicare daily, right? And has uh, an intimate understanding of it. And so she's offered, her name is Alana Watkins, stand up, please. So, everybody knows who you are. She has offered to offer that expertise to those of you who are using Medicare um, to consider whether or not changing a plan is a good idea. Because the reality is, coverages change every year. Every year. And even if you've had a, a plan that's worked for you for 15 years, it could be that taking a minute to look at a plan with her, maybe an hour, maybe 30 minutes, could save you tons of money. Because they're, because ta- she could help you figure out which one is best tailored, which, and, and Medicare A, B, C, D, all the all the letters, just not supplements, right? Because that's a whole other ballgame. Take the time. She's she's going to have um, open opportunities to meet with her uh, at 5:30 and 6:30 and 7:30, if necessary, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, beginning October. Just just Tuesdays. If we need more than on Tuesdays, beginning October fifteenth, right? Is that the right time? So if you want to sign up, just call Kathy at the church office. She can get you signed up and you can come. I would encourage you, you might be surprised as to what it might save you. Okay, that's my sales pitch. Are you ready? Okay. So I need a volunteer from this row. Okay, a volunteer from this row, a volunteer from this row, and a volunteer from this row. I need four people to meet me in the center right now. No, you're not in that row. It's got to be this row. Nice try, Holly. It's got to be this row. I need one more. Come on, somebody be brave. Bonnie, Bonnie's coming. She's on it. I mean, I, I mean, we all know if you want Bonnie to just go ahead and do it, just wait a second because she'll take <laughs> care of it for you, right? She's just going to do it. Okay. Well, see, that's what I mean. You're like, I'm done. If you are, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. All right, so here's the deal. Here's what I need you to do. We're gonna play a game. We're gonna play a game that you've played probably a thousand times. You know what the telephone game is, right? You ever played the telephone game? We're gonna play the telephone game. And then if you don't know what the telephone game is, here's how the telephone game works. (laughs) Put that away. Here's how the telephone game, works. rats, I'm just gonna call everybody. Here's how this works. The telephone game works like this. What happens is we give one of these four people a message And then we successively whisper it into each other's ear until it gets all the way to the end of your team. So why did I pick four people? Because I got four groups. One's gonna start from here and go back to that corner. Hi Tim, you're probably last. (laughs) Or one's gonna start from here and go all the way back to that corner. Probably Mr. Easton is last. One's gonna start here and go forward and one's gonna start here and go forward. And I wanna see what happens. Are you game? Mm-hmm. All right. See, Bob says, sure, let's go. Come on. All right. So, I need you all to come here close and read this because I'm not going to say it out loud. And you're not allowed so to say it, it out loud. Whole row and back each row. It, it, no, it's got to go all the way down and snake all back. the way to the end. We tell the first person yeah. they pass it on. Then they <laughs> pass it on and let's see what happens, okay? okay. All right. Are you ready? Covered. Minions would look, minions would look rather silly with cornflower colored. <laughs> oh, wow, did I mess it up? I did, didn't I? Rats. That's all right. We'll see. I even helped you, and we'll see. Got it? Yep. Got it. It's not a race, so get it right. Don't worry about it. Where are we at? All right, we're here. Where are we on this side? They're still in this row. Teenagers slowing things down. Come on, y'all, let's go. (laughs) Huh? Oh, no, 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 not even close. You guys are flying, you're fast. Just hold on to it, Peg. I wanna hear what it's, I wanna hear this one. This should be fun. Hey, can I have a mic, or is there one up there? Oh, do you want me to grab like that one? Yeah, on the stand. Oh, or Paul's, I guess. You want me to grab Paul's? I'll grab Paul's. Okay, you got yours. Okay, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Did you get in it? Were you in the mix? Okay. Where are we at? Okay, moving right along. Where are we at, church? Smart Alec. A lot of old folks don't know what it is? Okay, we'll see, we'll see. I did definitely pick a couple words I thought young people would not know and a couple of words I thought older people would not know, so. (laughs) So I tried to mix it up just a little bit. It's stop me. You're not going to do it? Why not? But I'm not a game Oh, my goodness gracious. computer. Just, just, re- you can, but, but if it's you, hold on, if it's you, then you can just blame her for telling you wrong. It's, it's nothing. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll do that. Shenanigans. I smell shenanigans. Where are you at? All right. You know what I've noticed? They're not going to be spot on, only because it's gotten faster and faster as it's going, which means the message is getting shorter and shorter as it goes. So it's changing as it goes. Yeah? yeah. No. Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. We're almost there. You're there. Bobby's got it. Nathan's got it. Peg's got it. One more. We're almost there. You guys want in or no? You got one more row. You're almost there. Let's get everybody, except you guys. You're safe. You don't have to be involved. It's all right. I'm sure, I'm sure between the teenagers and the Clark ladies, this is being slowed down dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't go with that one. Believe it or not, this wasn't even slightly the most complicated thing I could have picked. There was, I had so many options. It's too long? What? It was not. It was like eight words. All right. Eight words. You got two by the time you got here, didn't you? All right. Are you ready? All right. So let's hear Peg's. What's Peg have to say? Man, feathers, contact, corn. Man, feathers, contact, corn. Okay. Wow. All right. Nathan, what do you got? Minions selling cornstarch. Minions selling cornstarch. Okay. Those two don't sound anything alike. I'm just saying. Corn was in both, right? All right. So, Bobby, Bobby. Yes. Minions playing in the castle. Minions playing in the castle. The minions are having fun. All right. Yo. Stop. Stop. Minions look funny with flowers and soap. Minions look funny with flowers and soap. That started here. Did that start with him? That's Bill's fault. So, As are most things, right? Bill's fault. Okay, so Tom, can you put that up on the screen? What was it? (laughs) Okay, so if you're off by half a word, okay. So... Okay, that's fine. If I had covered, then we can just change the L to a V. Y'all are still off, right? Still would not have gotten it, okay? Now, somebody said there was a word in there that the old people probably didn't know. What word was it you were looking at? Minions. Minions okay. Now, if you're younger and you, as soon as you saw the word minion, what did you think? He thought a little yellow guy with big goggles going, right? And some of us are going, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? Okay. Now, how many of you know that cornflower is a color? It's a pretty blue, right? Okay. How many of you had no idea that it's a color? Huh? How many of you never even heard the word because it didn't get there for you? (laughs) Yeah. That word got dropped fast, it did. That word didn't make it anywhere through. They all abbreviated with corn. See, I told you it was getting shorter. You got four words, right? Bits and pieces, some of which were related to the original message, right? Some of them were not related to the original message. Okay, all right, so it's interesting with the telephone game, we all knew it was gonna go south, right? As soon as we started, we all knew it was going to go south. Why did we all know it was going to go south? It always goes south? Too many people. people. Huh? It was hard to hear it? Okay, it was hard to hear it. Too many people involved, right? What else? So some of the words sound like other words, right? And if you're just whispering them, it, it. Sounds weird, and you just grab what you got, right? You grab what you heard. How many of you, this message got messed up, well, after the, me apparently writing covered. Um, how many of you got messed up by the end of the first row? No, you guys made it to the first row? That's impressive. So, it's so that's fine, that's fine. So now we're, bl- we're back to blaming Bill for all of it, right? Yes. You're comfortable with it, that's good. Okay, so it, messed up here. it messed up, oh wow, okay, don't throw anybody under the bus or anything, I did it, own it, that's great, okay, so the reason it works, the reason telephone game works the way it does is because of the things we just talked about, it's, it's um, you mishear a word, there's, there's too many people in the chain, so things are going to change as you go, you um, bring your understanding to it. Because the word minions stuck for three out of four groups, but one group, it got lost somewhere in the translation, right? And even some people in the back said the word, even though they were going, that's got to be the wrong word. That can't be the right word, because that's not even really a word, right? Or that's not, why is that? Because we bring our own context to it. We bring what we already know to it. We bring what we hear to it, and we repeat it that way. Honestly, we repeat it that way whether it's accurate or not. And we almost begin to own it as accurate whether it is or not. Because even the person who originally conveyed the message got it wrong, right? I was off by a word. But even after me, it it even went further south. The further along it got, the further south it went. Can that happen with even important messages? All the time we miscommunicate all the time in our lives with our especially with people we're close to we do we miscommunicate and we realize later that this was just oh we've miscommunicated we shouldn't have been angry at each other we shouldn't have whatever that is that this leads into what I believe happened what Paul's addressing in the series we're gonna do over the next seven weeks called graceful um, is that the message got changed the message that Paul delivered to his people of a gospel in the people of Galatia, a gospel that is driven by grace, got changed, got lost, and the original meaning got, is missing. And so what they ended up with is feathers, corn, something or another, right? Close to the same. Some of the stuff is there, but the core of it, The core of the saving grace of Jesus Christ is lost. And Paul wants them to find it. And so we're going to spend the next seven weeks talking about grace. Grace that gets lost. Grace that gets lost in our understanding of the gospel. Grace that we don't allow ourselves to experience sometimes. Grace that we forget to show others. Grace is an easy thing to lose. And the Galatians lost it within a couple of months after he left them. We are in danger of doing the same. And so we're going to take the next several weeks, it's a long time, to walk through the book of Galatians, to talk about grace in so many different ways, and try to own that, claim that, and reclaim that, because that is the core of the message of the gospel, is the unending and incredible grace that Jesus Christ has shown us, right? Amen? All right, so let's start with Galatians 1. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10 is our text for today. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God, the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is a different gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if We or an angel from heaven could preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As as we have said before, I now say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For I am now trying to persuade people For now, am I trying to persuade people or God or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul starts these, this letter strongly. Usually, Paul starts letters with a, a list of pleasantries, a list of welcome, say hi to so-and-so, this person I haven't seen in a while, thank you for their service, thank you for your help, thank you for this, thank you for that. He wants them to know he is thankful and grateful for all the work they've done and the people that are in his lives, but in this case, he jumps right in. And he says, hello, grace to you, glad to see you. Let's get into this because y'all are missing something. There's something happening here that is not okay, and it's not what I taught you. He makes it abundantly clear in in the very first verse to to remind the people who he is, and that's that's critical. It says he is an apostle, right? An apostle is one who is sent with a commission. But he's not just any apostle. He's an apostle of who? Jesus Jesus Christ. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ, and that matters. In order to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, you have to have fallen into, had these two things. You have to be selected by Jesus himself. An apostle has to be selected by Jesus himself. And you also had to witness the resurrected Christ. Paul, if you know his story, Paul came to know the Lord in Acts chapter nine. He tells the story in chapter nine, tells it again in 22 and again in 26. 26 on the way to the road to Damascus where he's going to persecute, his name was Saul at the time, he's going to persecute Christians. He's going to persecute them, kill them, imprison them, whatever it takes to stop Christianity from spreading. And on the way, he is blinded, blinded by the light of the Lord, shines upon him, speaks to him. Jesus Christ comes to him himself and he says, why, why, Saul, are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And he says, I'm I'm Jesus Christ. I am the Messiah. Why are you persecuting me? So Paul has seen Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, right now. He's seen him. He's experienced him, right? And he's been selected by Jesus because Jesus then says, look, I'm gonna send you to this city and and you're gonna be healed and you're gonna be mine. You're gonna do my work and you're gonna push forth the gospel of Christ. And Paul ends up writing how much of the New Testament? Half, two-thirds, two-thirds. He was selected by the Lord. He witnessed the resurrected Christ, but that is not the way any of the other apostles witnessed the resurrected Christ, nor the way they were selected by the Lord. It's important for us to understand that Paul is saying, look, this message that I sent you does not come from me. It comes straight from the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes straight from him. Nobody set me up. Nobody told me that I'm suddenly... You know, a preacher of the gospel. The Lord Himself said, I'm a preacher of the gospel. It is His gospel. We sometimes have an idea of how people should come to know the Lord or do come to know the Lord. Can I just tell you, in working with so many people in different cultures, they come to the Lord differently. Some come to the Lord in this massive moment like Paul where all of a sudden lights are shining on them and they're, they're just they're dropped to their knees in pain and they're crying. Some people come to the Lord because they are raised to know him over time and that relationship kind of percolates. It develops slowly and it grows slowly. I used to, I used to be um, embarrassed that my testimony does not involve me, um, you know, having a drug problem that God delivered me from or that I was in prison for decades or, or there was this massive moment. I didn't have that. I had a moment and someday I'll tell you the moment if you haven't heard it before, because it was a moment for me, but it wasn't as though he delivered me from this massive, horrible life I was living. I had a pretty good life, but he delivered me nonetheless. And what I want you to hear is that Paul's story, like your story matters. That if the Lord has delivered you, regardless of whether or not you grew up knowing Christ or it was in one of those incredible moments or something else, it still counts. <laughs> yes? yes? You are delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ. You are saved in him. But because Paul's story was different, some people were trying to use that against him. They were trying to say his witness wasn't as valid. His witness didn't matter as much. And that's a lie. And that's a lie I think we tell ourselves sometimes. That if I didn't have this moment or delivered from this thing, my witness doesn't matter as much. That is a lie. Don't let Satan tell you that. And so he has witnessed this resurrection and, and he's been converted to know the Lord and his authority matters for that reason. But they've mixed their authorities. It says that in in. 1, 6, and 7, it says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So people are speaking into his life, into their lives, and they they are changing the meaning of things. It's the telephone game, right? The words getting passed from one person to the next. Somebody puts in their own information. Somebody puts in their own understanding of the world, right? How they see the gospel, and it suddenly gets tweaked and changed and altered. And by the time it gets to the end of the road, it's not what it was. In this case, it's a group of people called Judaizers. Judaizers were false teachers spreading a false gospel that was a mixture of law and grace. The long story short is they believed in order for you to follow Jesus, you had to first become Jewish. Otherwise, you were not able to follow Jesus. It wasn't just Jesus and his salvation. It was Jesus and. Jesus and all of the 613 Levitical laws. Jesus and, if you're male, you had to be circumcised. Jesus and, and this is the big one, no bacon. Okay? It's not, it's not the big one, okay? But the point is, it was Jesus and and not just Jesus. It's a problem. (laughs) One is a gospel that is is driven by grace. One is grace-filled and one is grace-missing. Where grace is not the answer. Let me show you an equation on, on the screen real quick. Okay? The Judaizer message, and notice all three components are the same, right? The first one is this. The Judaizer message is you have faith in Christ that leads us to follow all of God's laws and then you are justified before the Lord it justifies us before the lord paul's message the grace of the gospel is you have faith in christ and because you have faith in christ you are justified before the lord and that drives us to follow the things of god to be the person that he would ask us to be all three components are in both messages what's the broken part the order yeah but why 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 did the order why does order matter Ah, One's work-based and one's faith-based. One is still stuck in the notion that you can somehow earn salvation, grace, and love, and mercy of Jesus Christ, that you can earn that. You can't. It is given, right? It is given by grace. It's a message that is is subtle. The difference is subtle, right? Because all three components are there. It kind of looks like the original, it's got a few pieces from the original, but it's not the original, and it substantially changes the message, it substantially changes the way you relate to God. Are we relating out of gratitude, understanding that He is love and that He has already saved us? Or are we doing it because we think we can somehow earn it? Let's look at some common examples, right? A Judaizer would say, faith in Christ leads us to gather together. These are modern Judaizers. I have faith in Christ, so I have to go gather with people of God. So I'm, going, I'm showing up at church on Sunday because I have to, because I profess to faith in Christ. And because I showed up at church on Sundays, guess what? I'm now justified before God. On the other hand, the gospel says I have a faith in Christ and that makes me right before God. And so I'm excited about gathering with others in the body because that is what he has built for me. He's built for us to grow together. One appreciates very much being together. One says I gotta do it. Otherwise God's gonna be mad at me. Let's look at another one. Faith in Christ says you read the Bible because you have faith. You got to read the Bible. And since you read the Bible, now you are justified in Christ. The message of the gospel is you have faith in Christ and you are, again, you are right before God. So why would you not want to read his word and follow his laws and understand who he is because you understand and appreciate the grace that you've been given? More. Next one. Faith in Christ says if I tithe, if I just throw my money in the plate that I'm good, I've made things right with God, I'm now justified with him. The message says I tithe because I am saved by grace, and I am already justified, and I am grateful for that which I have been given that I did not earn or deserve. Is there another one? Is that the last one? The modern Judaizer says, I have a faith in Christ, but before I can be right before God, I've got to change my life. The other one says, I have faith in Christ, and and God loves me, and I'm right before him, and so I want to change my life. Do you know how many people stay away from the body of Christ or stay away from telling one another about their problems because they're afraid that because they haven't fixed it all yet, they're not good enough? They're not good enough to be before God. They're not good enough to show up in church. They're not good enough to tell others in the body that that we hope are our closest friends. They will not tell them because they, they don't think they're good enough or they don't wanna look bad or they wanna be a hot mess. Can I just tell you, that's keeping the sin in the darkness. It keeps it in the darkness and if it always stays in the darkness, it never gets to the light. And we are cutting ourselves off from the grace that only comes from throwing it out there and knowing we are saved and trusting one another because that's when your life changes. Your life changes if you know the grace you have and you change because of it, not in order to get it. It's a a subtle, subtle difference, but so powerful, so profound. The last one says, Judaizers' faith in Christ says, if I act right, if I just play the part, then I'm right before God. If I just follow all the lists and check all the boxes, right, and do all the right things, then now I'm right before God. The gospel says we have faith in Christ, we are justified before God, and so I desire to act rightly. (laughs) I desire to act to move toward him to act as he's calling me to, because I know he has saved me, because he know, I know I am his, because I know he loves me, and because I know he wants what's best for me. The sin of Judaization, either modern or back then, is making acts of faith equal to value to the faith itself. It displaces the authority of the gospel in our lives turns it into a series of checklists and an, a misunderstanding of what it means to be loved by God. Our, our faith and the grace that we find in Him drives our decisions. And if, and if you find yourself in a place where it's not driving your decisions, then, then maybe, maybe the messages got changed for you. Maybe somewhere along the way, grace got lost. Or just the scope of of the grace that, you, that you've received. Because that can happen. The further we get from something, that moment of grace, that time when you come to know the Lord, the further you get away from that, the, more, the easier it is to take that for granted. The easier it is to forget the value of it. The easier it is to forget and misunderstand what it should mean and does mean. You may have known it in the moment, but the further away you get from it, you can lose sight of it. So why do, why do people do that? Why, why do we do that? Why do we move things around? And in this case, why are the Judaizers doing this? Well, they're doing this because they're driven by fear. The end of Galatians chapter 6, 12 and 13 says this. It says, Whoever wants to look good by human standards will try to get you to be circumcised. In other words, if they want to look good and they want you to look good too, they're going to say these are the things you have to do in order to find the kingdom of heaven first. But only so that they won't be harassed for the cross of Christ. Those who are circumcised don't observe the law themselves, but they want you to be circumcised so that they can boast about your physical body. The, the Judaizers and modern and past both are driven to a misunderstanding of the gospel by fear that we're not good enough to get in. By fear that something has gone wrong and we are not justified before God. And so what we do is we alter our faith to somehow make us right so we can get in and be in God's good graces. And we also want others to do the same. How can that be problematic? Huh? You're cheapening the message. You're cheapening the message. We're cheapening the value of God's grace. Because God's grace is eternal, right? Right? God's grace is powerful. God's grace is capable of overcoming anything and everything you're ever gonna encounter or do or see or touch or mess up or get right or any of it. His grace can overcome all all of it, but by changing this message and making it so that it's all about the little boxes you can check and all about telling everybody else they have to look that way in order so that you can be right before God and look right before God, you are saying that the grace of God is not bigger than those things. The grace of God is not enough to save you. That is a lie straight from the mouth of Satan. That is a lie that is sometimes driven by arrogance and pride. My problem is, your problem is big enough to be saved by grace, but mine, mine's too big. Nothing is too big for Jesus Christ. Nothing is too big for the grace of God, or it's not the grace of God. Correct? Correct. We all know that in our minds. The question is, do we practice it in our hearts? What I, would, what I would challenge you to do today is if you, if you feel like you're just not good enough to accept and know the grace of God, tell somebody who will stand with you and pray with you, who will remind you that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, who will remind you that he died not because your sin was too big, but because he was big enough to take it, Right? It was by grace that he rescued us. The the verses beginning today, verses 3 and 4, or 4 and 5, said he he rescued us, rescued us from the evils of this present age by his grace, by, by his sacrifice, by his willingness to do those things. And it is far bigger than anything any of us have got going on in life. Do not let fear teach you otherwise. Do not let the gospel be changed. Do not let the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be cheapened, lessened, altered, or made different than it should be because it's bigger than anything else you could possibly imagine, and it's yours if you're willing to own it. And that goes for those of us who have known the Lord forever, those of us who have known the Lord for 10 days, those of us who do not yet know the Lord. The grace of Christ is there for you and it's not bigger than your sin, or it's not, your sin's not bigger than it. See, I changed the words. (laughs) Your sin's not bigger than it. You are worthy because he says you are. You are justified because he says you are. All you have to do is allow him to be the Lord of your life. Amen? Amen. Okay. That was a lot. All right, you ready to switch gears? Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna switch gears, okay? Today is uh, one of those days where we take some time, a couple times a year, where we stop and we remember the grace of Jesus Christ. We stop and remember just how big a deal it is. This is something we call threefold communion. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we would encourage you to join us today to do this as we share a love feast, a meal together, and, and, in, and, and as, we, as we wash one another's feet as Jesus did to his apostles the night before he was betrayed, Right? And as we, as we take of the bread and the cup symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed and that grace that encompasses all and saves all, we are about to embark upon that. It is a time that is intimate. It is a time of deep reflection. It is a time where we stop, and we really take a moment to try to get rid of all of those other things that are in our lives and remember the grace that He has provided for us, the love that is unending the salvation that only comes through Him, and the sacrifice He made to do it. So what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to read a few verses out of the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11 talking to you talking about it's going to be verses 17 through 20 as we begin to speak about what it means to to prepare our hearts and our minds for this if you have small children if you wish to stay and you have small children that are um, not yet saved we have arranged child care for them We've arranged opportunities and we'll feed them too. (laughs) They will not go unfed. Uh, We will feed them and arrange childcare for them. that's to give you the opportunity to really focus on what God has you focused on today. Um, If you don't wanna stay, I am so sorry. We wish you would, Um, but you can escape right after this, okay? I hope you don't, but if you do, You're welcome to leave. We're not trying to force you or guilt you into staying here. We want you to stay because it's an outpouring of your relationship with God and the fact that you're justified in him, not out of some obligation. Okay? And so let me read this out of 1 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 17. It says, Now giving this instruction, I do not praise you. This is Paul again. He's not praising them. He's talking to them about what to do during church and at the Lord's Supper, and he says, "'Since you come together, not for the better, "'but for the worse, for to begin with, I hear, "'that when you come together as a church, "'there are divisions among you, and then, in part, "'I believe, indeed, it is necessary "'that there be factions among you.'" He doesn't really believe that it's necessary. He's saying, they seem to think they have to be divided. They seem to think it's not that there isn't a call for unity. And when you come together, then it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, which is what we part of what we are about to get into. And he goes on. He goes on and he says, look, if you're coming together and saying you're coming together to eat the Lord's Supper together, and if you're coming together to, to, to walk through the steps because you think you have to because it makes you right before God, if you're coming together with your own agendas, you're coming together for the wrong reasons. He goes on to say, you need to stop. You need to examine yourself. You need to take a minute to think about where you are, why you're embarking upon this, why you're with one another. And if there are stumbling blocks, if there are things in your way, if there are animosity between members of the body, if there's animosity between you and him that you need to pause for just a minute and think about, how to deal with those things so that you come to the Lord with a clean and clear heart and a clear desire to receive that grace that he has offered to you, to remember what he has done for you. It is a blatant open time of self-examination. And so what we're going to do is a couple of things. We are going to take just that minute. For those of you who, who wish to take a minute to do that, to think to ponder, to pray about where you are with the Lord. And we're not going to have any music. It's going to be dead silent. I'm going to give it a few minutes. And then I'm going to close as we always close. I'm going to close with prayer. And then those of you who are staying, we would love to have you join us in the fellowship hall in the back. And if you don't know where that is, just follow the crowd. Um, And those of you who are unable to stay or do not wish to stay, again, I'm so sorry that you can't be a part of this. It is a wonderful time. Um, but we're not trying to make you. Okay? So let's just give it a moment. Father God, uh, give us a second to, uh, to stop, to pause from the busyness, and to just ponder your grace. The grand nature of your grace and what it means for our relationship for you and for our relationships with one another. Let us examine ourselves. Let us be sure that we are taking a moment. To ensure that our hearts are clearly focused on you, that if there are stumbling blocks in the way, that that you we remove them, and that you help us remove them, Lord, the sheer grand nature of your sacrifice is mind-boggling, and sometimes more than we can process. Let us consider this for just a moment. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray, amen. Um, we're going to close out our service the way we always close out our services. Peg, you want to come forward? I'd love for everybody to stand, off, stand up. We're going to read out some public prayers that are, that are so critical to members of our body. And I will close in a closing prayer, and then if you're staying with us, please, make your way back to the fellowship hall. Holly, would I like to ask that we pray for the troops um, and for Collins' family as his grandfather died this past week. Missy Cummins has asked for prayers for the Jay Strayer family. If you don't know, he was in a farming accident and was uh, taken from this world. He was close friends also with Chuck Gamble, who I know is not here Um, And on that note, you should also pray for Diana Gamble. If you've seen Facebook, she put a toilet bolt through her foot. It's... Bolt, not a toilet bowl. She didn't put a toilet bowl through her foot. Bolt. She put a bolt through her foot. Uh, If you haven't seen it, the x-rays are pretty amazing, and yet Diana, in Diana fashion... Uh, slapped a bandage on it and got on a plane and went, to a, went on vacation. So, despite to Jamaica, despite yeah. the fact that they're guaranteeing infection. Okay, so pray for her to have a safe trip home. Uh, Patty Islet uh, would like to praise God that her son Bill's back is healing, right? It's beginning to heal from the surgery. It is? Elliot. What did I say, Islet again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> Elliot. His back is healing. Keith Reefstall, I met with him yesterday. Um, His hemoglobin is still down. They're trying to work some things around. They think it was a combination of the medications he's on for his organ transplants. They think they can get that straightened up. So we look for him to come home, we hope, in a few days. So praise God for that. Um, I'd like to pray for Mary and Robert Hsu and Mark. Mark is the primary caregiver for both his dad and his mom right now. She's eating better. Is she eating better? Oh, good. Praise God. She's eating by herself. That's good. That's good. But I'd, I'd like to pray for him too, because if you've ever been the primary caregiver for somebody who's, who's struggling, um, it's as hard on you as it is on the person who is hurting often. So please pray for Mark as well. Keep him in your prayers. I'd like to pray for Brad Hudson's shoulder. He did a number on it this week. Let's pray that it heals up and gets gets well so that it doesn't require more right stuff. Um, And I'd like to pray for my wife's ankle, in case she hadn't noticed she's hobbling around slowly as she goes. It's all wrapped up. Um, Are there any other prayers? Anything else? Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I've been scheduled for my uh, weight loss surgery on the 28th. Yeah. And as I get closer to the date, my anxiety is going like, (laughs) Um, so I just need a lot of help. With, yeah. with God's help, of course. You mean I more than normal? A, I need a lot of support too. Okay, it's okay. scary. Okay. Yes, it is. If Surgery is change. always scary. And so does the life change afterwards. Yes. Miss Brittany. Lily, your friend Lily passed out again on Tuesday. We've got to figure out what that is. Let's pray for the Lord to figure that out, right? To make the doctors, give them the knowledge that they don't have on their own. Anything else? Oh, yes. Dad. Huh? Dad in his heart. Dad in his heart, yes. How's he doing? I haven't talked to him in a couple still, days. Okay. Still still tired. Still yeah. I think he wants to be totally better. Well, um, good luck. Lo- but it's gonna take a while and then it's hard to see other people farming. Yeah, but but they are you know, his, I mean, like when we're we're there farming and dad's in the chair, that's really tough. I would imagine it is, but your mom did say he gave himself a shower the other day, right? On his own, which is huge. That is big. Yes, yes, you. Yes. You just need prayer for me. You need prayer for you. Okay, we can do that. Do you want us to stop right now and pray for you? Please. Okay. So we're gonna stop right now. I need everybody to come over here. Come on. We're gonna pray for you right now. Is there anything specific you'd like us to pray for? Okay. Okay. Tired of, tired of being a broken, tired of being afraid, tired of, okay, let's pray for her. Father God, uh, we are amazed at your grace, but sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be made fearful by the things that are going on around us, and it is easy to do. God, I, I, I commend Beth and, and, her, and her courage. Her willingness to say, I need prayer, if, if we all had courage to ask that for one another, imagine the strength that we could give each other. Lord, I'm thankful for Beth's presence here. I'm thankful that she is here and listening to your word and, and seeking you in her times of difficulty. And I am so thankful there is a body of people here who are willing to come around her and love her so much because they recognize themselves in her too sometimes our own fears and our own challenges, and because we know, God, that you are able to heal. Lord, I pray openly for you to do a miraculous work in Beth's heart, for you to drive out any of those fears, any fears that are keeping her from seeing you and knowing you and feeling you and experiencing you, and those things that lies that Satan tells, that says she's falling short or something's not going to go right or the worst thing could happen or she's not good enough or whatever that is, God, I pray that you will drive that from her heart, that you will drive that from her soul, that you will remind her that she is loved, that she is cherished, that she is made right before you, that she is your your princess, (laughs) who you have placed at your right hand and that you desire to be with and walk with for all eternity. Lord, I pray that you're, you will raise up the light within her, that you will make it shine brighter with each and every day and drive out any darkness, anything that's holding her back from being who you desire her to be. Lord, I personally am thankful that she is here. I'm so happy to see her. I pray that she will be a blessing unto her family And that anything that's causing her fear will be driven from her life. Father God, we thank you for your strength, your mercy, and the grace of your Son. It's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh Of Nick... Macon. uh, He passed away. Uh, He graduated from Ben Logan last year, right? Yeah. And uh, he passed away. Uh, He committed suicide. And so we would ask that you pray for him and for his family. Yes. Your friend Karis has a concussion. So let's pray for that too, to heal up, right? Okay. Anything else? All right. Let us close. Father God, we are so thankful that you allow us to meet together and encourage us to meet together. We are thankful that you have placed us in each other's lives and that we have opportunity to show your grace and love and mercy to one another. We are thankful for those who have not been here for a while but are back. And we are mindful of those who are not here. Please let them be on our hearts and minds this week. Remind us to call them, text them, reach out to them, remind them that they too are loved and that they too are justified before you and that they too can know your love and your grace. God, we are thankful for all that you provide for us. And as we move into the fellowship hall, I pray that you will keep our hearts and minds focused on you, on your sacrifice and your salvation and your grace. Lord, keep us safe, help us to meet again, anoint our time that we are about to share together. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.